0: Mona Lisa is absolutely adorable. The 12-year-old has big brown eyes that instantly brighten your day, and a certain warmth about her. She's perpetually smiling, but, but not one of those toothy, gaping grins, more like that small, subtle, closed mouth smile, like she's just a little bit shy. She has round, almost baby-faced cheeks, with two whiskers coming out either side, which fall just above her tentacles. Okay, at this point I should probably explain, uh, Mona Lisa, or just Mona, is an octa-cat, She's part cat with those whiskers and two perked-up black ears, and she's part octopus with a total of five tentacles. So, so a a I don't know. Mona is the mascot of the software development platform GitHub, which is used by over 31 million engineers. Over the years, Mona has become one of the most recognizable logos in the entire tech industry, a symbol of your overall pride in nerd culture, not just your work in tech or as a developer. And a huge reason why this icon is practically ubiquitous in the software industry is stickers. Alexis Ohanian, one of the founders of Reddit and himself a huge icon in the tech world, once called stickers the soundest investment he'd ever made. Now, the hundreds of thousands of Octocat stickers you see around the tech industry all come from the same company. It's called Sticker Mule. The CEO and co-founder, Anthony Thomas, says that early in their evolution, one of their software engineer freelancers knew somebody at GitHub, one of the co-founders, and that helped the young sticker company land an important new customer.
1: GitHub wants to buy it from you. I was like, all right, tell them we'll just do it for free.
0: So GitHub said, great, we need 10,000 stickers. Uh, Sticker Mule was just getting started and they didn't have a lot of money, not to mention their manufacturing wasn't all worked out yet. But if there's one thing Anthony and his team have always done, it's carefully and deeply think about customer experience. And that necessarily means great manufacturing too. So they honored the promise to print those stickers for free and they shipped 10,000 of them to GitHub. After a few weeks, they got a note from that GitHub founder who said something that would change the trajectory of this company overnight, helping Sticker Mule, like Mona the Octocat, become a household name in tech. So the GitHub co-founder said to Sticker Mule,
1: these stickers are terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: so I was like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, obviously, early lessons learned and feedback from customers can be just as crucial as early wins. And that's exactly what happened to Anthony and to Sticker Mule. They learned. And so the team worked on their manufacturing capabilities and reprinted another batch for GitHub, 10,000 more stickers, once again shipping a hefty helping of Octocats to that company. Only this time, They printed it with a better process and a better understanding of the customer in mind. And this time, the GitHub co-founder wrote back and said,
1: They still aren't that good.
0: (laughs) Alright, look, I don't mean to bait and switch and mislead here. It's just that when we hear a business success story or we follow the work of a very important executive, we expect or maybe even kind of want this like fantasy version of what happens. We want them to succeed overnight, right away, the very first time they try. Or if they don't, we just want that one hard moment to prove a valuable lesson before they do succeed. The B2B version of a sitcom wrapped up with a nice neat bow. But building an unassailable company or career is not about that one moment. It's about consistency. It's not about the peaks or the valleys. It's about the trajectory of the entire damn line. It's about doing work made to stick. Even if, you know, you you don't sell like stickers. <sighs> and we're back to predictable puns, aren't we? I'm I'm actually a dad now, so I'm not gonna apologize for any of this. Just 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 listen to the rest of the story, okay? It's simple but hard but unavoidable. keep kid kick me going! It's unthinkable. Stories of conventional thinking at work and the people who dare to question it. <laughs> I'm Jay Aconzo. Okay, so I have no idea how Sticker Mule became so damn ubiquitous in tech. I mean, Octocat? Now that makes sense. Oh, and by the way, Sticker Mule actually did get the order correct eventually, and GitHub is a happy customer through till today. But aside from the name Sticker Mule and maybe some nice website design, that company just doesn't look the part of a household name in one of the most creative, idealistic fields ever, tech startups. and I thought now was the perfect time to dive into this story because I was recently presented with a really worrisome realization about creativity. I was chatting with somebody at an event where I'd just given a keynote speech, and I was at the cocktail hour when I said to this guy, just offhand, I think we need more creativity in sectors that aren't known for it, and that would be a big trend in 2019. Finance, manufacturing, auto retail, healthcare, etc. And this nice, really warm guy immediately bristled when he replied. Well, Well, I don't want my accountants to be creative. The last time somebody got creative with accounting, Enron happened. I don't want my investors to be creative. That's my money you're talking about. I don't want my lawyers or or my doctors. You get it. His list went on and my drink went down fast. So there I was, utterly convinced. Creativity matters in all fields to all jobs and all people. But he immediately rejected that. And I think it was thanks to one narrow but very common understanding of creativity in business that, quite frankly, needs to die. For some reason, creativity in this world means big ideas or clever stunts. This has to change. So, please, set aside what you think creativity means or even feels like, and let's explore a better way in this episode to frame creativity in our business world. To do so, we have to journey to Sticker Mule's home world. That kind of sounded like a setup for some kind of twisted, dark, My Little Pony spinoff, but no. We're heading to a place very not full of ponies and rainbows. Manufacturing. When you work in a factory, you can feel utterly removed from the customer. Those employees often feel that their company's salespeople own the customer relationship, but even that isn't true. Really, it's the distribution partners that the salespeople sell to, the ones who move the product throughout the world from where it's manufactured to where we actually buy it, they own the customer relationships. Suffice it to say, in manufacturing, when you don't have an externally facing role, it's incredibly hard to think about the customer experience and therefore improve upon it. It's very different than, say, a software company where you can so easily see how many people interact with your product if you're like a software engineer who developed the code, even if you don't speak with users directly. That's a huge difference. I was trying to think about what the factory equivalent would be of all those tracking tools we have in software, maybe like a giant TV above the factory floor that live streams people opening their shipments, but for lots of reasons, that obviously doesn't exist. Back in 2011, when Sticker Mule first started, Anthony made a decision that wasn't all that common back then. He would own the entire customer relationship and focus his factory workers on this idea of customer experience.
1: For first two years, I, I answered 90% of emails. Probably even for the first three years, I was answering like, I think year three, I still probably answered like 50% of emails, 60% of emails, I don't know.
0: So back to that cocktail party really quick, the one after my speech, I realize now that what our goal, or the goal others give us, is to generate a lot of results and quickly, we of course view creativity as a means to generate those spikes, and taken to its most extreme, you get shortcut culture. All the hacks and cheats and simple secrets to success, and all the hucksters who pollute your feed trying to push them. You also get the positive version of that, a less douchey but still very misleading, list of tips and tricks, or ultimate guide, or blueprint. Regardless of whether we write blog posts or host podcasts, build and sell products or lead teams, we all seem to validate our success by looking for a spike in the numbers. We want the work to work, but not just work, we want to crush it. We're like corporate versions of Ricky Bobby. I'm
1: gonna go fast, I'm gonna go fast. That's what I thought you would say. I tell you what, I'm gonna go cry and get some milk.
0: Over time, we all start to conflate great work with outlier results. What gets celebrated and what we try to replicate are those massive spikes in the numbers from days past. No spike, no good. Is this our fate? Really? Is this what our work actually is? Whether we look for shortcuts that promise to yield big results faster, or we simply obsess over the big idea or the viral project, creativity seems to devolve into what I call random acts of creativity. Like a stunt double, we call upon creativity to come from some trailer in the back of our minds, and we treat it like a periodic stand-in for the real work. But creativity isn't a stand-in for the real work. It is the real work. As the legend John Cleese likes to say, creativity is not a talent. It's a way of operating. At Sticker Mule, Anthony Thomas has built an unassailable company through anything but random acts. It's been a consistent and proactive march towards something refreshingly great. Take the ordering process as one example. When Sticker Mule first launched, most people placed orders at his competitors through email, with the entire process taking over two weeks to finish, and even the fulfillment process itself taking upwards of five hours.
1: We were like, geez, this is is terrible. And what we did is we took a process that was five hours and brought it down to something that takes, you know, maybe a minute, 30 seconds to, to get done. When that happened, what we realized is this, like, There's a lot of people in the world that aren't going to spend five hours to buy stickers, but if you can buy stickers in 30 seconds, like maybe you'll buy stickers for your cat.
0: Or maybe your Octocat, if you are so lucky. Initially, the mere fact that Sticker Mule had built an online ordering process made them more innovative, made them faster. By providing that option early on and by continually optimizing the purchase flow based on whether people bailed or had questions, they shaved off a few seconds here and there over time. But slowly over time, that removes a lot of time. So they did something that's hard to notice from the outside looking in. And it was that decision that helped build Sticker Mule into a beloved and yes, very creative brand that they are today. As we so often forget, a series of little but great moments are what create one great experience. And despite not launching any random stunts or viral campaigns, Sticker Mule's experience is great. In fact, they're what I'd call refreshingly fast. Let's revisit that cocktail party conversation I had. The man I spoke with made me, admittedly, pretty uncomfortable. Looking back, I can't help but see the symptoms caused by that illness that we just discussed, that we see creativity as random acts. Remember the examples he used? Those were the symptoms. Creative accounting leading to embezzling or insider trading. Creative investing leading to losses in his own portfolio. Creative lawyers, what, breaking the law, I guess? Being worse at their jobs? In every example that guy gave me, it was clear he thought creativity was a thing we do in our work or to our work. It's a self-serving thing. And that's a pretty common interpretation even when you love creativity. We think it's about our idea, our abilities, and our craft. Noble and inspiring, but maybe not so true. I love what Ev Williams says about creativity in business. Ev is the founder and CEO of Medium, and before that, a co-founder of both Twitter and Blogger. When asked what innovation is, he said that all you're doing is lining up the steps people go through and then removing those steps. For Ev, that means removing them using technology. For us, maybe it's content, not code, or a process, or our words to our team or to a client or, or something else. Innovation is removing steps. The reason I love that definition so much is that we're now forced to consider that creativity is about service to others. It's not about our specialness. No no muse has granted us the gift. Sure, we might use what makes us unique in our work, and I hope you do, but creativity is not a selfish or self-serving act. It's an act of service, sometimes to our teams, and sometimes to the customer, the client, or the audience. Consistently creative work isn't about gaming systems or hacks or cheats, not like that guy at that party probably thought. Creativity is an act of service to others. So, yeah, on the outside looking in, it's hard to spot Sticker Mule's creativity. Not because it's not there, but because it's not this giant attention-seeking act that we all assume it must be. Because Anthony couldn't stop talking about their focus on the customer and serving them, which was not at all the norm when that business started.
1: I don't think it was really hard to sell people on caring about customers because they saw how helping customers help them, too.
0: Helping customers helps us, too. That's such a simple observation, right? But we so often forget that. We think about our careers and the giant ball of complexity that entails. We think about revenue and growth and shareholder value. But really, if we just cut straight to first principles here, we'd see. Our jobs are to intimately understand and then serve the customer. Do that better. And the rest follows. It's why when a content marketer asks me either how to come up with better ideas or better convince their boss or team or client, I always ask them the same thing in reply. When's the last time you talked to a customer? Start there, document it, and repeat. And you'd have the raw ingredients for better ideas or more persuasive ones internally. At first glance, Sticker Mule doesn't think about creativity or emotional resonance or all these things you and I like to discuss on this show. But make no mistake... This company has routinely built things that others find refreshing. And when you're refreshing, you always trigger the same reaction in others. It is indeed about resonance, but a special kind of resonance. When something is refreshing, you throw up your hands and you go, that is how everyone should do this. As Anthony will quickly admit, he loves the operations side of manufacturing. But unless you start thinking, well, that's because he likes to tinker on a spreadsheet alone in an office somewhere, here's the reason he gave me for why he loves operations. Uh,
1: Probably probably because it's the most people-oriented aspect of the business, and... You know you, you work with people <laughs> to get them done like i can't it's like especially you know as, as an operation grows you can't do everything yourself and you got to be dependent on your ability to, to interact with other people and and you do design processes i mean i love designing processes um and you do you do a lot of that in manufacturing and in operations i mean that's mostly what you do but like in order to design the processes that makes sense you gotta you gotta talk to people to get to get their input and like i don't I'm not able to like step back and figure things out without interacting with people, without talking with people. I think mostly what I do in operations and in business in general, I say like in order to run operations, you're just doing two things: like you're finding problems and then you're fixing them. And so you can't really find problems on your own. Like you know, in order to find them, you got to walk around, talk to people, and just ask them how their days going. And you know, problems end up just appearing people people you know tell you hey this is happening or that's happening or this is frustrating that's frustrating you know you you like notice this, these things by interacting with people and then the process to solve them you know involves talking to more people like once i know the list of problems that the company's facing or that the operations facing then i you know I talk to other people and say you know what what do you think about this how can we, you know how can we resolve this or i got this idea to resolve this does it make sense um, you know, and then and then and then you implement things and you you need people to implement things for you too.
0: It's tempting to unhook the process or the numbers from the people. This can feel particularly true in a supply chain because it's such a Herculean effort just to go from moment of purchase to the product arriving safe and sound and as advertised. I, I don't think we actually realize how much goes into that process. So, for example, say you order a batch of stickers online. What happens between the moment you upload your design and the moment you're peeling it off that shiny white backing, which probably takes you like 16 minutes of slowly picking away at that and then ruining two other stickers before you finally peel that sticker off? <laughs> okay, what happens between those two moments? Well, first, you have to complete your checkout. The shape, the style, the design you uploaded, and of course, your credit card information. And then normally, most companies would just print what you've given them or reject it outright because it's not good enough. But Sticker Mule takes a slightly different approach. They respond via email pretty soon after you submit your order and they give their take on the design to ensure it's exactly what you wanted. Maybe cropping out some weird white space or proposing a higher resolution file or something like that. They'll do this part for free. And then once you're happy and hit approve, the order goes to manufacturing. There, once they have that order finalized, they have to print the stickers, cut the stickers, package the stickers, always throwing in a few extra goodies, including more stickers or a coaster or two to enhance that experience. And within three days, it's out the door heading your way. And that's to say nothing about the actual shipping part. So it's all easier said than done. And if you abstract away all the people involved in that process and only focus on the stuff that I just told you, well, the customer's going to tell. So how do you put the people, the experience, the human touch back into the work that, on face value, feels kind of dull or commodified, or so focused on the cold, hard numbers and operational efficiencies that all that squishy people stuff might come later or never? Anthony's entire life was leading to him getting good at that part. He grew up in a town full of manufacturing jobs and worked as a dishwasher first, then later in a factory. In college, he interned at a large real estate firm because real estate seemed like one of those jobs you were supposed to pursue.
1: I, I hated it. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't stand like being in an office and the job I love most. Actually, I didn't mind dishwashing. It was a fun environment, but uh, I like I love the manufacturing environment more than than anything. Like, I love the people. Um, yeah, I love the people probably because I don't know, maybe it's a strange thing, but probably because I, I remember I think it was 17 years old, 17 years old, I worked in a factory and I like went through. Uh, I was with, you know, with a girl for a while, and she, you know we broke up, and I was like devastated. And I just remember like all the people in the factory just comforted me and made me feel great. And it was, it was an awesome, it was like an awesome time. And they all knew that I was probably not going to work in the factory for my whole life. But uh, I don't know, like they they people just embraced me, and it's like such a great relationship with them that I wanted to. I don't know after I thought about the what that experience was like versus other experiences, I really wanted to work in manufacturing.
0: He saw an adversarial relationship between the people in the manufacturing side and then the, I guess you might say, front-of-house roles responsible for moving product. And he says that he didn't like the lack of control over that experience, not because he wanted to better serve the customer at that point, but because he wanted to better serve the people he so loved, those other people working in manufacturing.
1: I just didn't like this, uh, like lack of control and that I wasn't really able to deliver for people in in the manufacturing environment, like the type of experience that like I wanted to deliver because if you're not in control of the customer, you know, you can't really promise people anything. You can't go to people and say, oh, you definitely (laughs) are going to have a job. This place is super stable and secure. I, I had no control over that.
0: We all use these phrases like tactics, strategies, content, brand, and experience, but they all really just describe the work that people do. That's all a company is, people. People create the processes, the products, the IP, the services, the precedents, the new ideas. People create the work. People create, no, no, hold on. People are the customer experience. If your people fear for their jobs or feel disrespected or burnt out or unhappy, well, there's no hope of being creative, no hope of serving others in a great way. And again, why is that? Because all a company is, is what? Say it with me now. People. Yeah, you got it. P. Pe- no, you're not there. You didn't say it yet. P. Pe- okay, you know what? I'm just starting to feel like this podcast is really one way here. You're not contributing at all. So let's just move on. That is what a company is, people. It's an empty shell, a legal entity that doesn't exist until people start doing the work. That realization was the beginning of Anthony's desire to start Sticker Mule. And he started with what may look like an unusual partner. Anthony, a 20-something entrepreneur at the time, co-founded Sticker Mule with a very behind-the-scenes, very private, and also retired manufacturing veteran at the time in his late 60s. One day, around Christmas 2010, this pair was chatting about this gentleman's career. He was retired by then, and he said how he'd worked his whole life without ever using a computer. He had just purchased his first laptop because, well, he liked to bet on horses.
1: Uh, believe it or not like he (laughs) he liked to bet horses and he found that you could get uh statistics on how to bet on horses more easily
0: so he got the laptop and asked anthony how to use it so anthony pulled up a few e-commerce sites that he thought the guy would be interested in
1: but he didn't really say much you know when when we had that conversation was really brief it was it was like late at night and i remember you know showing him stuff and i thought he was indifferent to the conversation to be honest
0: the next morning around 8 a.m anthony got a call it was his friend who said he'd stayed up all night thinking about what Anthony showed him. He said, "I think we should start a company together."
1: Yeah, he was like, you know, he's like, he's like, I wrote down the thirty things we need to do to get started. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, I mean, a lot of people talk about starting a company, and, and I like I give him a lot of credit because, like. I think a lot of people t- talk about it and they're, they're, they're uh, be, you know, BSing. It's like, oh, it'd be fun to start a company. And I was probably, admittedly, in that place myself. I, I was probably, like, just BSing about it. it. was like It was like a dream, but I didn't really think it was like a real dream. It was like, eh, and nah. But, you know, he took it seriously. And, and he was like, no, we got to get started. If you want to do it, like, just decide now.
0: So Anthony was in. Four months after that chat, in April 2011, they launched. One of the best things I learned about Sickermule Mule is that of the first five or six people he hired at the company, all of them are still there helping run the business. The first customer service rep now leads HR. The first designer leads marketing. The first developer leads engineering. The first person to help with finance is in charge of that department and so on.
1: So, yes, it's pretty amazing that like the initial four or five people that we hired are now, you know, collectively our executive team.
0: There's a lot happening behind the scenes at Sticker Mule, which helps them better serve customers. The whole time they're being creative. They're just not in the business of launching stunts or executing random acts of creativity. Instead, they're consistent. What we see are stickers and don't get me wrong. Stickers are great.
1: I mean, they make people happy, and, and the relative cost of a sticker is, is, is minuscule. Like, if you look at what people are spending on clicks in Google or clicks in, in, on Twitter, or you know, whatever else they're, they're putting their advertising dollars, if you buy stickers in bulk, the price goes down to almost, you know, 10 cents a sticker, which is nothing for, you know, your cost per impression, it's, it's, it's almost nothing. And I don't, I still don't think a lot of people have like really thought about that because people are spending, spending tremendous amounts of money on cost per impression for, for you know, online advertising or even other swag products like t-shirts, it's a much higher cost per impression. Um, stickers like very, I don't know, maybe you have like a somewhat intimate relationship with it. You know, you take it, you play with it, you put it on, a, you, you know, you consciously put it on a device. And once you put a sticker or somebody's brand on your laptop, you're, you're saying to yourself, like, I, I promote this brand. This is like my brand. I remember, you know, when I was a kid and some friends like PlayStation, some friends like Xbox. And it's like, once you got in on one camp, you like, Bitterly defended you know your side you're like xbox the best and playstation's crap blah 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 that, that was my attitude i think it's the same like experience once you embrace a brand by putting their sticker on your laptop or you know wearing their t-shirt or doing whatever else you're you're, you're saying to yourself like this is the brand that i'm going to put my support behind and so to be able to get people on, on your side for 10 or 20 cents is, is you know nothing
0: something bigger about a sticker is that a weird thing to say like i know you're in the business of selling these things but like it's not just like the little tchotchke. there's some meaning behind it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean you
1: spend some time playing with it, peeling it, thinking about it, deciding where like the perfect location is and, and stuff like that. And I think in branding, the it's hard to capture attention in a person. Like there's people are getting hit with so many brands, you know, brand so much brand advertising throughout the year and like they don't remember most of it. Like, so you know, even T V you don't really remember like, all the commercials you see, you know, you remember you remember a few or maybe none, but if you spend time, you know, taking out a sticker, peeling it, deciding the exact perfect place for it or the exact perfect device you want to put it on, i mean you're getting you're, you're you're causing that person to spend a lot of time with your with your brand.
0: But why is sticker mule so ubiquitous around tech? Why are they thriving through word of mouth? What helps them deliver consistently great work? The answer is the same for all these big questions. They embrace that creativity is an act of service. And that affects every team working in every niche, by the way. As an act of service, creativity is so much more than random acts. For Anthony, it's about being consistently refreshing. Refreshingly fast. Refreshingly enjoyable. Refreshingly focused on others. And by others, sure, I mean the customer. But mostly, I mean his people.
1: They say, like, customers are the number one thing that matters. Like, customers are what matters most. And we're all about the customer. I'm like... To me, it doesn't really make sense because I think like employees should be what matters most because like at the end of the day, like we're all employees. So like if we say to ourselves, like everything's about the customer, and customer comes first. That's justification for making your life miserable in order to benefit a customer. That's when you say to people, you got to stay two hours late because the customer is what matters most. Or like you got to give up your weekend because the customer is what matters most. My early attitude with, with Sticker Mill was to say, you know, I want to build a company where um, employees are happy because, you know, especially manufacturing employees, that's what I care about most, like especially manufacturing employees because they took care of me when I was younger. So I wanted to reciprocate. Um, and then just naturally, I think if you say like you're going to put your employees first and you're in a company where the customers are and the employees are, are aligned, then you're going to take care of your customers too because, you know, customers matter. And like as you, do a better job taking care of your customers. Like you can do a better job taking care of your employees. It makes sense to people like working in the company that they should care about customers. But um, like I think part of the reason yeah why our business is so sticky we you know very few people leave us. Um, I mean for the longest time nobody left us. <laughs> and um, but yeah, but I think um, it's it's that way mainly because of to focus on you know caring about employees and the experience of employees and then like when when people in the company feel that way like they just naturally are going to care about the customer and you know we, we end up doing a better job than most people do taking care of the customer
0: define it however you want we need to care less about what creativity is and more about what creativity requires it requires consistency It's time we pushed beyond random acts of creativity and figured out what it really takes to create anything unassailable. Original, refreshing, made to stick. Check, check. This episode was written and hosted by me, Jay Akunzo. And to the gentleman at that cocktail party after my keynote speech, uh, thank you so much for providing the inspiration for this this episode. He has no idea. (laughs) All right, so... All year long, I'm going to be fighting against the same enemy and pushing for something better. The enemy is shortcut culture, or what I deemed random acts of creativity in this episode. This notion that great work is about manufacturing spikes or short-term thinking, or yeah, shortcut culture, all the hacks and cheats and terribleness that a lot of the business world seems to cling to or retreat to or just devolve into. So we're going to fight against that all season long on Unthinkable. But in between episodes, I'm also going to be asking really big questions and sharing weekly stories on my newsletter. So if you're interested in how to create consistently great creative work, check out my newsletter, Damn the Best Practices. There's a link in the show notes to do that. You're gonna get one new story or idea every single week to start your week feeling inspired and motivated. It's gonna help you question conventional thinking to think for yourself. That's Damn the Best Practices, my newsletter. Links in the show notes. Alright, so as we face this enemy, shortcut culture, and as we fight for something better, as we fight for consistently great work, we're going to push forward on this podcast with another story coming soon about a company that at first glance looks not creative whatsoever, but it's going to help us redefine how we think of creativity and how we execute our work. That's coming up on Unthinkable. Until then, forget the conventional thinking. Trust your intuition. See ya.